0: We're recording! That's great! Hello, and welcome to the All Things Japanese from the Japanese-Canadian Cultural Centre in Toronto. Our topic today is Sake, Japan's national drink. My name is John Ota, and I serve on the Art Committee and the Board of the JCCC. Thank you for joining us. As the Tokyo Olympics approach, I know that we'll all be sitting by your televisions watching the Olympic Games with Japanese food and drinks. And an authentic drink to enjoy at this time is sake, Japan's national drink. We're honoured to have Laura Giannis Higgins, a certified sommelier and a sake aficionado, as our special guest today. Laura is the CEO and sommelier for the Amethyst Wine Agency, with an office located in the Japanese-Canadian Cultural Centre. Since 1980, Laura has traveled the world, increasing her knowledge of fine wines, premium spirits and craft brews. She has several diplomas and a degree in food, beverage, marketing and business, as well as being a certified sommelier. In 2020, Laura expanded her portfolio to include top sake, fruit sake, shochu, awamori, whiskey and gin from Japan after visiting the prefectures of Osaka, Kyoto, Nara, Kobe, Shimane, and Tatori. It
1: sounds like you have a fun job, Laura. (laughs) Especially when Jetro was so kind as to take me over there on this tour and arrange all accommodations and visits and education at the breweries. Oh my goodness, that sounds great. Can I come the next time? You can certainly ask. And the more podcasts <laughs> that you do, the more eligible you become. So that's good, good. good. <laughs>
0: so Laura, for people who are not familiar with sake, what is sake? And what is some of the history of sake?
1: Well, uh, people who don't know about sake at all are surprised to find out that it is made at a brewery. And then the next question becomes, well, is it beer? And... The history of it uh, goes back thousands of years and right back to when people were making beer in other countries and making spirits, making wine. Uh, so the key difference comes down to the way it's fermented. And in the early days, 2000 years ago, it was um, basically taking the rice, chewing it, masticating it in your mouth, spitting it into a communal bucket. And magically there was the uh, required bacteria and uh, yeast and all the things that started the process.
0: Really? I had no idea. that That's the beginning. That's the the
1: dark, dark side (laughs) of the origins of sake. And uh, things have progressed uh, every century since then. Yes. uh, With the majority of the modern uh, techniques that are used now occurring literally just in the last hundred years. So where it would have been perhaps done in wooden barrels, that it switched to ceramic, which then became a cleaner process. And now, um, unless you're specifically trying to do a traditional wooden style, that the majority would be using either stainless steel or concrete for the fermentation process and and the finishing process. That
0: sounds great. That sounds Mm -hmm. very good. Thanks for that. So when people are watching the Olympics this month, and eating Japanese food. What are the sake's you would recommend?
1: It really depends on the knowledge level of the person who is trying it because along with the changes in production techniques, there have been changes in style. So I know my own personal first tasting of sake was at a ski resort. Après ski, you go to a Japanese style restaurant who knows if the food was traditional Japanese food or someone's idea of it. And they bring out an unnamed uh, little ceramic uh, pouring vessel that has been heated up and you drink it and you go, yay, I had Japanese sake. Um, Everything goes full circle. So the full circle of that, uh, you may be familiar as a wine drinker. You start out, you usually drink sweetened white. Then you maybe get to dry white, then a light red, then a full-bodied red. And when you get to that full-bodied red, everyone becomes quite arrogant. I drink really tannic, heavy, oak-aged red, and therefore I am superior to all other people who drink wine. But you evolve at that point where you then you go back and you retaste elegant styles of... Maybe a Moscato d'Asti or maybe a Sauterne, And then all of a sudden you get back to Sweet White. So I mention this because there is a certain arrogance that came out of the 70s with the change in styles. Not everyone's caught up to this yet, but instead of drinking warm unnamed sake, then the process itself developed more elegant premium sake wine uh, like wine instead of being served out of perhaps a flat vessel or a small sake cup they started to serve the more elegant styles of sake in wine glasses small wine glasses and even champagne glasses for the sparkling versions so you get to this point where you're like i only drink the most elegant the most refined the least tasting like a hot sake at a japanese ski resort Uh, and now you're drinking this product that's almost like a a fine Chablis or Burgundy from France. After you get to that point, you come back full circle. And at that point, you say, well, I wonder what this really amazing, fine, expensive sake that I bought tastes like at different temperatures. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the other thing that's happened is that Originally, people just used the rice from their local village to make the sake. It got to the point where Yamada, nishi, no, Yamada is the best rice in all oh. of Japan from this best region and this best water. And your sake didn't mean anything if it wasn't made with Yamada Nishiki. But then other varieties, long varieties of rice, um, the physically tall varieties plus long grain, Uh, they said, okay, let's try this other variety. And so new developments have happened where there's a variety of amazing top quality rices that really premium sake can be made from, but there's always rebels. And so now the rebels are saying, well, why is that rice better than my original village rice? And so people are experimenting doing hybrid rices, going back to traditional styles, using these new styles, different regions. The whole concept of terroir is starting to come out Mm -hmm. with rice, even if it's not easy to read on the labels for people who either don't read Japanese or don't understand sake that much. All of this is going on in the background. Improve the tradition or go completely modern. And your original question was, well, what should we be sipping while we're watching the olympics the examples i've brought for you today are made by a company who has taken all of this and condensed it into one marketing message they're called eel for modern sake and eel for is working with a, a brewery and a distillery for their brands the brewery that they work with is called Yumenoyado, and it is um centuries old brewery in the Nara region. Nara is considered the cradle of sake making in Japan. So they do craft style sake in the traditional method, but they also have their own milling equipment. So they polish the rice to a very high degree. They have all of the modern technological uh, advances in place and they can do every style they make this style specifically for the eel for group Mm -hmm. who market it. And what they've really done well is they've simplified the labels. So you can see. Oh,
0: it just says sake. Pretty much
1: eel for and sake. Exactly. And then I got the message. There you go. Another one. Sake. Right. And then uh, this one, the shochu, it's a little bit smaller because it's got a fancy label, but it's,
0: Well, that's a good idea. we go to the the alcohol store, liquor store, you can see it. It's easy to pick out. Exactly.
1: And so you don't need to know that it's one of the top craft breweries in Japan from the cradle and, uh, you know, all of the stuff that goes into it. It's a good starting place for people who either haven't had sake before or are not from a Japanese tradition or just don't know that much about sake.
0: Well, that's great. So this is all the more reason to be drinking sake and trying different ones.
1: Uh huh. So I happen to have a glass.
0: Oh, isn't that
1: nice? And this is the sparkling sake it just released at the LCBO two weeks ago. Sparkling
0: sake at the LCBO in a beautiful aquamarine blue. I love
1: the bottle. color of this bottle. Ooh, it's, uh,
0: it's sake and big uh, Helvetica font.
1: Yes. Well. And- Cheers. Cheers.
0: Thank you. Is the swirl Oh. It smells uh, sweet. It smells like a. It's a fruity. fruity. Yeah. Uh, so you can taste yes.
1: sweet, sour, salt, bitter, and actually. I can um, almost taste
0: it with, it, with the. Uh, with your nose. <laughs> yes. It's
1: beautiful. Well, uh, the Japanese should be proud to know that up until about maybe 10 years ago, all sommeliers were trained that all you can taste is sweet, sour, salt, and bitter. But now, officially, you can taste umami. Mm -hmm. Umami is sort of a sense of rightness about what you're tasting. The theory behind it is that when people were foraging and had to taste things and determine whether it was going to kill them or not, there was this sense of this is safe. This is good. This will be beneficial to me. And so sake is very, very high in the perceived sense of umami in general. Hmm. So if you want to feel good watching the Olympics, no matter whether yes. your team is winning or not, at least your palate will be having a sense of goodness. My palate is very happy. With your you, you know what I like palate. is
0: it's not too sweet. Mm-hmm. So you remember your first time with socket. This is my first time with sparkling socket. Thank you. I always remember this. Thank, thank you. you.
1: Excellent. So let's go to the next one. All right. Thank
0: you. So what's this?
1: All right. So this is where a little bit of knowledge can help you. Yes, the fermentation and it's called multiple parallel fermentation, which if we have time, I'll tell you more about that. But the fermentation of the rice gets divided into different categories depending on the polish on the rice.
0: Oh.
1: So you start out with 100%, if you polish it down to 60% of what it was, then it's a junmai. So we're talking about there's there's, you know, rice that is not polished, there's rice that's like 80% polished, there's all different levels of polish. When you're talking about premium sake, then you're at least at the junmai level which Junmai would be 60% 60 polished. And then you've got uh, Junmai Ginjo, which is more polished. So you get down to like, I think it's 50%. And then the Junmai Dai Ginjo could be 40% of the grain is left. 60% of it is polished away. Some people do less than that. And you're getting rid of the outer husk, the outer starch, the outer protein. You're left with this pure pellet core of starch. And that's partially why you have a more elegant and more delicate flavor by the time you get to the daiginjo. And that's why it's getting to the point where you can compare it to a, a fine Chablis. So I'll give you a taste of this oh, one. thank you. And,
0: and... Can you tell me again please what percentage of polish this will be?
1: So this one that we are trying right now Thank is you. the il for limited edition June Mai Dai Ginjo. So this one I believe is polished down to 40%. Oh,
0: so this is the really good one. This
1: is this is Oh. The, see I I hesitate to say it's the really good one. Yes. What I like to do when I'm doing tastings of all three, the Junmai, the Ginjo, and the Daiginjo, if someone comes to the table, I might get them to try the least polished to most polished. Someone else comes to the table, I might get them to do most polished to least polished. And psychologically, I mean, I've been in this industry a long time, so I'm always interested in the relationship between people tasting and purchasing. Usually whatever they taste first, they like the most because oh. it just makes the most immediate impression on them.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. So when I change it up like that, I'll have people arguing in front of me about what is the best sake. <laughs> so you got to be a little careful not to, to, to just marry mm. yourself to the first one. You need to keep your mind open and try all of them. It.
0: It's got a nice, subtle smell. mouth. Mm-hmm.
1: And, a, and oh a, that's that's a nice, nice. warm yeah. there's a really clean finish it's got a long finish i feel a little bit of burn from the tongue tip of my tongue down all the way down the throat and it's um it's kind of after it has its initial attack it sort of spreads out sideways on your palate yes and as the volatile alcohols are evaporating inside your mouth that's when you get sort of It's called retrograde aromas. Mm -hmm. So they actually evaporate from inside your mouth and go back up into your olfactory bulb where you get a second aroma from it. So most of your impression from any alcohol that you drink is aroma. About 60% of it is smell. 40% divides into the sweet, sour, salt, Mm. bitter, umami. But as it's evaporating on your palate, you get this retrograde aroma as well. Mm, tastes very nice. So that's one of the finest. So
0: this comes in a dark, uh, almost uh, charcoal-colored bottle.
1: Frosted bottle. Frosted
0: bottle, right. Mm -hmm. for Sake Junmai Daiginjo. Thank you. Oh, all right. You're welcome.
1: (laughs) So now we get to... I'm feeling a little warmer. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Yes, good. So, and alcohol wise, the sparkling sake is only 7.2%. Yes. And it comes in a bottle that's 300 mil. So you should feel quite comfortable to drink oh. an entire bottle of that. And I like to serve it in a champagne flute. Yes, thank you. Um, the sake is all around 16% alcohol. So you don't necessarily want to drink the volume of this. So that's why it's fun to have the sparkling sake, because when you want to have, you know, you don't want to have an empty glass. Yes. So you don't want to have too much alcohol, but you want to enjoy the sake. The sparkling sake is great for that. And I mentioned alcohol because now we're looking at the distiller shochu. This is this
0: is uh, sake number three.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm, there's two of them available at the LCBO. One of them has, what would you call that color? I love this color. Turquoise. Turquoise, yeah. It's kind of like a turquoise blue. And then the other one has a black label. Typically producers will put something in a black label if it's meant to be like the formal leader. Yes. And they'll put something like this, the turquoise blue, it's meant to be a little bit more fun. Yes right so I this, got that impression this one is 20 percent alcohol the distiller 001 yes and the distiller 002 is 25 percent alcohol you can absolutely drink these straight on their own yes over ice or I would treat the distiller one almost like a gin so you could be making That's gin uh, and turquoise. Tonic. yeah, the turquoise one. You could also yeah. you could almost make like gin and tonic mm-hmm. style cocktails with that.. Mm. The oo02 to me has a little bit more wooded uh, character, sort of like a light uh, whiskey almost. So if you think of whiskey sours, uh, in fact, when my fruit sake arrives in the fall and we've got the yuzu fruit sake, you could do a cocktail with this with the, the yuzu and make almost like a a Japanese-style whiskey sour. So before we taste this, the main thing that I want to say is that when shochu is made, quite often what they will do is they will make a fermentation out of sweet potatoes. And then they distill that fermentation in order to make the shochu out of sweet potato. This particular one is made out of the leftover junmai sake fermentation. There's something, without getting too technical, there's something called lees that get formed. And the leftover lees from the sake making process, uh, the spent yeast and rice, everything that's left when it's pressed, they take that and then they distill that into this alcohol. So the sake and the sparkling sake are a multiple fermentation process. And the shochu is a distillation process. Good. You're let's, ready. I'm
0: ready for the shochu.
1: Okay. Well, do you want to try the fun? Trip no, let's, let's try. Right let's go. Formal? Yes. Right. The black label. Can you post me a straight sided glass? This yeah, one, that one. uh Yep, that's fine.
0: Here we go. By the way, we're drinking these out of champagne flutes and. Little cocktail glass, glasses yes, and
1: traditional yes. sake cups, and
0: All right. we're having fun
1: with the glassware as well as the actual. Yeah. So have a smell, see what you think.
0: Oh, this has a stronger uh, alcohol mm-hmm. aroma. Yes. So yes, I that I can see this would be uh, almost a, a gin and tonic.
1: Yeah, you know, base, you right? know, it's alcohol right away. Yeah. And partly what I do when I do a tasting just to evaluate something, Mm -hmm. um, like an educational tasting, we taste at cellar temperature. So whatever temperature a normal basement would be, Mm -hmm. that's what we taste at. But if I were making cocktails or serving this, uh, I would Ah. have chilled all of these in the fridge and served them at a cold temperature. Or these ones that can be made into cocktails, I could serve over ice. And then just enjoy it as it warms mm. up.
0: So this reminds me a lot of gin. Mm-hmm. It's like a milder uh, flavor of gin.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. It, um, there are no herbs added to it. Mm-hmm. And yet, just because it's coming from the fruitiness of the June Mileys you you do I do believe that you can taste the sort of milkiness of rice mm-hmm. so there's sort of that base rice aroma and flavor but then you get some of those delicate fruit aromas as well and so it's sort of like an, a non-herbal gin you know what? I like this a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> but you got to be careful how yo I, like it I can 25%. tell I just
0: my goodness but it I I really like the, the flavor Mm-hmm. that's great yeah. thank you I mean I think that you've really helped me and and, prob- and helped uh, our, our listeners with their understanding of, of sake and what's coming up and what's new and we'll have information on these sakes and where to buy them on the JCCC website that's jccc.on.com .ca. We'll take some photographs of these bottles so that people can recognize them at the LCBO. And that is it. That is sake, Japan's national drink. In conclusion, I want to thank our guest today, Laura Diana Higgins of the Amethyst Wine Agency. Yay. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Johnny. I'm feeling very warm and, uh, and uh, cozy right now. Thank you so much. We hope that you've enjoyed listening for our discussion on sake. Thank you for joining us today. My name is John Otha, and this has been All Things Japanese from the Japanese-Canadian Cultural Center. Arigato! Arigato! Thank you very much. Thank you, Laura. Thanks for being here. Arigato gozaimasu. Arigato!